Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Adam Stone, and this is the Committed Collective Podcast. With my co-host, Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley, we speak to an array of great guests to discuss ways to unify, educate, and empower ourselves against racism and social economic inequality. Steve, where can our listeners find us on social media? Yeah, first off, you can find us on our website at thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Next, you can find us at The Committed Collective on Instagram and Facebook. And my personal favorite, The Committed Collective Forum on Facebook, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Committed Collective Podcast. Adam Stone coming back with you again. And we have Byron Hazley, Steve Kerwin in the house. B. Hayes, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing great, Adam. Happy to be back on with you guys. Love that we're back to a weekly recordings. It's been lovely. Oh, yeah. Even, even with the wild card back in the house. How you doing, Steve? You know, a few weeks ago, I... I made a comment and, you know, sometimes Adam has got me on a little leash and he pulls it back occasionally and tells me I need to settle down a little bit. And I made a comment that I thought maybe the Kardashians were the most richest and powerful family in the world and nobody wanted to hear it. And I'm just letting you all know it's been weeks. I've thought about it a little bit too much to conclusion, but I'm just here to tell everybody. I was 100% right when I made that comment. So Steve, you know, let's, let's go back a little bit. You say that the Kardashian family is the most powerful, the wealthiest family um, in the world. The modern day, what, what we consider the Royal family in England, that is who they are for the United, our United States of America is the Kardashians is the equivalent to what the would be over there. Some good, some bad, can't stop being talked about, glorified everywhere type situation. I mean, I think one key difference is that the royal family actually had uh, rule and control over multiple nations, including its own in the United Kingdom. Um, the Kardashians, to my knowledge, do not own or command any country in the United States or in the world. So, yeah. Not to mention, Adam. <clears throat> The uh, the royal family, your everyday person is not supposed to touch them. Even no one's supposed to touch them, right? No hands on. It'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a NBA player that hasn't touched any of the Kardashians. I had a bad feeling. I knew where this was going to go, and I hear you. We don't do things exactly like England. Okay, we don't do things exactly like they do it over there. I'm just here to say, and listen, there's a lot of people, because this was brought up, and I brought this up, a topic of conversation that anybody that will listen to me, and at this point, I don't know if anybody will, but I'm not talking about couples. We know Jay-Z and Bay. We know Michelle and uh, her husband. I just had to say it that way. We know the Obamas, but <laughs> we know what they are. But from a, from a straight, what, what this family empire has built in this amount of time is nothing short of miraculous and probably will never be done again. So what does that say to you? I mean, we've seen a lot of backlash over the last few weeks about the, the, not only the queen, but just how that, that 
monarchy has dominated the world and what that means and should it really continue. And at the same time, we've seen the rise of these types of families, these types of influencers that have power based on really not a lot. And from there have created businesses and products and things like that off of their fame that have been very successful. So, I mean, do you think that's a sign of how society still wants people to look up to and idolize despite, you know, having some other pushback against monarchies and things that were previously forced to be idolized? Yeah, I think it's the same thing with, you know, Look at how the media, what is every media headline? If it's a really big deal and it's super popular, it's negative, right? Aaron Judge just hit 62 home runs and that's an AL record. That's not going to make it. But Brett Favre, what he did in volleyball will be talked about on every news station. Now that's good that we're bus rolling Brett Favre, but my point is positive doesn't. So it always starts off with a negative something embarrassed, not always, but starts off that. And then you build it up and it's just marketing 101. You have people's attention. There's no such thing as bad publicity unless it's no publicity, right? So something happened and then what do you do with it? What do you do when you have people's attention? You create content. They created content that every single one of us, when we started to see when this is horrible, but then at some point, somebody's wife started watching it and went, this is outstanding. And then we called it horrible, but yet we didn't turn off the TV and all of a sudden we're catching the second season showing up on September 22nd. And here we go into the fall of 2022. That's just we turned it off in the Hazley household, Steve. I can tell you that. Okay. We were not tuning in on whatever day, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever night their new episode drops, we were not tuning in. But I will say to your point, genius marketers, genius at capitalizing on the opportunities that present, that are presented to them. Um, I really give the most credit to the mom because she seems to be the puppet master behind it all. Chris Jenner. I mean, she, she, uh, she has to get credit. I mean, you know, not everything has been predicated on what she's put together, but at the same time, you know, the family has grown up basically over the last few years on television and their overall wealth has grown pretty substantially too. I, I think we've talked about it on a recent show that, you know, between the two of them, maybe this is off air, but just between Kim and then I believe it was Kylie. Oh, Kim and Kylie. That's right. Uh, their net worth was about $2 billion. Yeah. Just between okay. the two of them. Kylie's had like hit a billion and then maybe went down to 800 million. Like the numbers didn't come in, but you're talking about somebody that comes out, does makeup, and all of a sudden his net worth uh, is around the equivalent of LeBron James and Tiger Woods. That's it, it, it. It's masterful marketing, and it is Chris Jenner because Chris Jenner isn't necessarily involved. I guarantee nobody thought when this podcast launched, shout out to the 50th episode a few weeks ago, that we would be discussing the Kardashians and the empire they built. But to that point. They, they take advantage of everything, almost an uncancelable type of family at this point. Now they do, shout out to Kim, she's out there in the legal system getting people out that were incarcerated for, for the most part, petty crimes um, getting out. So she's out there trying to drive change the right way. 
they do turn every dude that gets involved completely psycho. So you take the good with the bad, but um, that's that's just who they are. I will say, Adam, I I have a secret to tell. I'm not preaching. But my wife hates the Kardashians and doesn't allow it to be out of the house. So mm. that reference uh, that I that I brought out, mm-hmm. and I have to get it my chest. I'm an honorable man. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think, you know, this is the committed collective podcast and, you know, we're always talking about race, social, economic inequality. And, you know, the, the idea of just seeing these types of families, seeing this era of influencers and things like that blow up has been very interesting to watch because, you know, there's been, the TikTok explosion as well. And we've seen numbers there and reports about how the algorithms are shown to produce a little bit more of the unproductive uh, videos and content that we would expect, you know, people that who are just wasting their time, you know, and, and it's not very productive in terms of what the equivalent is in China, apparently, through reports that it's being uh, a lot more uh, watered down. So, Byron, do you think that's something that, you know, we've gotten too used to in terms of trying to depend on that influencer status or that toxic culture to find success? So I think you really got to look at the generations, right? So you're when you're talking about our generation, I would say no. Some of the younger generations, absolutely. Um, and they're, I mean, a lot of people are capitalizing on it. So kudos to them for finding a way to make millions or thousands, hundreds of thousands, um, just dancing in front of a camera. But um, to your point, you know, the algorithm is set up so that people just sit there and watch people dance for hours. You know, uh, I find my five-year-old at times watching people play video games and on YouTube. And I'm like, why don't you just go play video games? We do have that same system downstairs, you know, but um, definitely, definitely think it's kind of generational. I think some of our newer generation, uh, the younger generations, they get sucked in and influenced by uh, social media significantly. And it is sad. And hopefully there'll be a wake up call. Steve, what are your thoughts? I think I 100% agree with everything. And then I'll take it to the next level in terms of algorithms and social media and different things. It is very easy to manipulate anybody. And, and I, I cannot stress enough the term anybody or anything, if it's put in front of you enough, everybody here has heard a song that came out on the radio and you went, that's not a very good song. And then you heard it 20, 25, 30 times. And you're like, eh, that's actually all right. No, it's not. You hated it the first time, but you heard it 20 times. And now, you know, some of it, you're used to the beat. So it's the same thing at social media. You're going to see it in elections. Things get put in front of your face. It's very easy to believe. You could send out a tagline, We all love sports. There's things that came out that made us go, what is this? You could see a headline for something that has barely anything to do with the article. Adam, you're you're a huge Michigan fan. Jim Harbaugh's picture or name would get brought up. The coach, NFL coaching carousel every single year. There's a picture of Jim Harbaugh, but yet he's not, he was never even included in any of those. So it's so easy to manipulate. Just like news used to be, and I talk about it's negative. That is the biggest problem that social media faces in the youth is in big trouble 
because you watch a lot of grown people. We all probably have aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas that are out here on Facebook sharing things that are accurate. And you're just like, that's not real. And the fact that you don't know that is very scary because 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 20 year olds, they for sure are not going to know that. So that's the hardest challenge that we have facing right now with social media. Yeah. I mean, I think that piece is very important that you have two sides of it with, you know, the older adults who may not be used to some of these technologies and even, you know, people who are in between the thirties and forties, they're not used to these technologies either. And they're, you know, as able to be influenced and, you know, manipulated as well, not to mention the kids with between TikTok and YouTube, what things do you think, should happen to better, I don't want to say monitor, but, you know, to try to help turn this from being such a imprint in terms of our, of our society, where these things have been, you know, not only pieces of just, hey, look at it for a giggle, but they almost become ingrained as ways to create careers and, you know, focus on, you know, gaining a living. Yeah, I think fact checking is huge. And a lot of times you see it on social media posts with something come across and say like, this is fiction or this is something like that. I think that's huge because we really can't get into the world of not letting somebody write content because it's fiction or that's not true or different things. I think when you, if you take it to a level that becomes dangerous um, for society, if there's open threats or, or different things like that, but I don't think you want to get, I don't really want politicians telling me what can and can't be out there. But I think it's fair to fact check things and make it in 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 particular, the Facebook and Instagrams of the world can make it known they have enough money to have a team that goes, this is this is not accurate and, and put it in front that this is an opinion piece um, type situation. It's but it's we've probably gone too far that there's nothing we're going to be able to do. I don't know what you even else could do. Um, you can ban fake accounts and different things like that, but and I'm not, I'm not trying to take that economy away either. You know what I mean? I think oh. you know there is a lot of money to be made. There are people who have you know built a great following and have turned the advertisements and you know even do things that have social justice initiatives attached to it. So I'm not trying to take that away. I mean, I, I guess I'm more getting at the aspect of how does this affect overall productivity? How can we, you know, better monitor our access and this exposure to these types of uh, mediums in a way that can still lead us to having like a more productive, more collaborative society? Because, you know, we talk about some of the negative joke dance videos, but there's a lot of uh, hate that's put in through TikTok and YouTube and these other social media models that really does get imprinted in people's minds when they're seeing it on, you know, a recurring theme or they get caught in that tunnel. I would also instantly make social media a class in high school. So you might as well start educating. It's here. So there's no point just like pretending it's not and be the person that's like, stay off. I'm off social media. You should stay off social media. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. You should probably just teach it, embrace it, go through it type situations. People can see Um, because different platforms may come and go, but social media is not going anywhere. It's, it's now here. Like you said, it's monetized to point. There's big money for a lot of people in it now. So it's not going anywhere. Byron, what do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. I was going to say we got to educate those, right? You know, educate them and even give them, you know, you give them the positive, but you also got to give them the negative. I think one thing people don't realize is the amount of time that they spend on their phone. I think a lot of people are cognizant, more cognizant of that now, but the youth, you know, they're not like, uh, I'll say I had my goddaughter here. She came and stayed. She's a spry 13 year old girl. And, uh, she averaged about anywhere from eight to 10 hours on her phone every single day she was here. And even looking at historical, even when she's at home, you're talking eight hours on a phone. So if you're looking at screen times like that, that's something that, you know, you've got to educate people on, like, you got to put your phone down and live in reality because social media is not real. It's not the reality in which we live. It's it's scary. And, and you're throwing out the term the youth. I don't know a lot of adults that don't spend a lot of time on their phone. Every single person I know is in multiple group chats. Every single person I know amongst those have that group chat is going off early morning, late nights type situation. You can always come back to your phone and somebody's talking. There's fantasy, there's social fantasy sports, there's social media. It's almost impossible. And then let alone everybody's business now runs through this device. Some of us have two phones. So, yeah, I'm constantly on my phone, too, and it's disgusting. And I guess it's better than crack, though. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty addictive. People are <laughs> definitely addicted to their phone. And, and the sad part is your part about that it that it's not real, right? And you can... You can also tell when people post when you're like, mm, you're clearly in a, I don't want to say a bad space, but like you're pretending to be positive when you're clearly going through something. A lot of times this happens during a breakup, right? The person is, was in a relationship and all of a sudden they're super happier. They don't need that, but then they're posting all the time, a little, whether it's like a picture talking about how you don't need them. And it's like, you're trying to convince yourself that you're going. So people are turning to social media almost for guidance and help, but then you're going to see people pretending to be so happy that they then think their problems are way down here and everybody else is perfect. And that's another thing that is causing a huge, huge issue in particular with the youth that we're going to battle um, with depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Steve, like what you mentioned right there, I think there is a, a piece of trying to figure out how to meet that middle ground because there are people who are going through like those traumatic events, those breakups. And, you know, it, it's sometimes pretty ugly and hilarious at the same time, some of the posts and some of the personal things that come out. And I think that's part of, you know, what we were talking about before, how that exposure, how that just toxic, uh, behavior can really get attention and the attention can bring, you know, what people conceive as positive. I mean, money and other things, if you're able to draw enough attention, just based on having some negative and some more alarming things come out. So, you know, it's, it's a weird time now where you are seeing people who are going through things, you know, there have been reports in terms of increased depression and a lot more of the mental anxiety issues that have come out of COVID. And, you know, at the same time, it's still 
being overshadowed by just how social media works and how it can create people wanting to pose as being in a positive space when they're really not or do other things that just aren't authentic. And, you know, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. And obviously we all have younger kids that, you know, even mine are not on social media. So, you know, I, we haven't even hit that. And when you think about the, what the issues you deal with, once again, we all, I always get into, you know, what did our parents have to worry about? Right. It was number one, go play outside. Don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. Like that's what we worried about as kids. Don't talk to strangers. Don't get yourself kidnapped. And now like that's so far down a totem pole. And then you bring in social media and different things that you have to go through. And it's tough. And it's, it's tough to be a kid nowadays because the, the bullying on the playground, once you get a little bit older, is not going to be like, it's going to be behind that phone screen, all the different, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, people are keyboard warriors. And uh, we know that from the last election, uh, what came out for, for a lot of people. So um, you, you hope it gets better, but I will tell you that it, we are we are in big, big trouble if we don't jump on this from an educational standpoint, because this is not going anywhere. And you're not going to be able to make it go anywhere because it's too monetized. So in terms of, you know, ways to move forward and, and figure out, you know, we have the Committed Collective Forum. We have some other uh, areas, the newsletter, some other forms of content to help lighten the situation, bring some authenticity to the situation. But Steve, Byron, what are some final thoughts when you have what that you have in terms of um, ways to get past what we were talking about, ways to, you know, look at things the way they are now, but at the same time, find realism and authentic it's still communication it's still communication it will always be communicate get in front of it you know you have to have the conversation right byron talked about in the last one the conversations he has i constantly talk you're preparing them for what is about to happen and stay in much of in front of it and i and you know some people just don't even take the next step of communication after it happens you want to stay in front of it but if you can't stay in front of it it happens you got to communicate it don't sweep it under a rug. It just builds the issues that then we face as a society. So communication is just absolutely instrumental for everything. That's why the community collective started was to get out and communicate and learn for, through other people, different cultures, different races, different backgrounds. That's, that's what this is. So that's what we have to continue to do is focus on real problems at hand, not whether or not the Kardashians are going to be on for season three. You know they are, but you get the point. Byron. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for me, one thing that I've done, put your phone away from you. <laughs> I think if you can just set it down, that will help and allow you to live in the moment. You know, I recall going out recently with a bunch of friends and I looked up and everyone was on their phone. And I was like, why don't we just all just put our phones down? First person to pick up their phone, they got to buy a round of drinks. Love that. You know, so, uh, you know, just find ways to just live in the moment, communicate with individuals outside of through technology. I think that that's my thoughts. Adam. No, that's great. I mean, I think 
we have to just do a better job of focusing on what really makes sense, what really is helpful and productive to our lives and to our families and, you know, keeping it pretty simple, but not everybody's making money off of being an influencer. They're being influenced. So if you can find something else to really utilize your strengths and skills and all your passions, then you're usually going to be better off. So, you know, that's, that's my big push. And on that note, we will be wrapping this show. I am excited for some upcoming episodes. We have some good guests coming on in the next few weeks. So uh, stick with us. We'll be coming back to you with some future episodes of the Committed Collective podcast for Byron Hazley and Steve Kerwin. This is Adam Stone signing off and I'll see you next time. Thanks. Well, that's the show. Thanks again for joining us. And if you did not get the social media from earlier, Steve, can you tell them one more time where they can find us? Absolutely, Adam. Go to the website, thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Committed Collective. And my personal favorite on Facebook, The Committed Collective Forum, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now.